So I love to just envision the future, like in one year from now or five years from now, how are you going to feel if you're doing the exact same thing you're doing right now? And the reality is like, if you're unhappy now, it's not going to get better. Like there are very few things that could happen in your job that it's going to get better. Realize it's not getting better. The way you feel now is only going to deteriorate further. Is that what you want for your life in this one shot that we have to make it meaningful? Welcome to the Quit Work Podcast, 15-minute conversations with people who have quit their job and gone their own way. I'm Mark, and every week I talk to someone who has taken the bold step of quitting work to start living their true life. The idea is to inspire you to live your true life, whatever that might mean to you. Today, I'm talking to Callie O'Connor, who quit a job in engineering to travel, and then later quit another job in engineering to travel again. After that second career break, she shifted to living in Mexico and working in her own business, Travel Shifters. Callie, uh, welcome to the Quit Work Podcast. Hi, Mark. Thanks for having me. So I've, um, I've heard you tell your story before, Callie, on uh, episode two of your Travel Possibilities podcast, and uh, I'd really recommend that listeners listen to that. It's uh, a great account of uh, your, your work story. You started out as a, a scientist at a biomedical company where you say you were bored out of your mind every day. So uh, tell us more about that. <laughs> well, to bore you with the details of how bored I was at my job, it was... <laughs> the first job I was offered out of college. And because I had this perception that the road to success was to get a job, I was so excited to be offered any job and it didn't matter what it was and I was happy to do it until I wasn't, which is a few months down the line and it the job was so repetitive. I was working in a lab with no doors and no windows. I was working in Boston, so in the winter, the sun rises late, sets really early. I never saw the light of day. And I'm just like, oh God, adulthood is so boring. This is unfortunate, but I thought that's kind of what it had to be. So what is it about the light? Why do employers not understand that employees need windows and light? I, that's something I have never quite understood. Oh my goodness. Well, for this job in particular, it was a secret laboratory. So that's why there were no windows. Oh, so you actually um, switched to a career that at least got you outside in the uh, the Texas oil fields. I've I've worked in the oil fields in the north of Canada, so I know a little bit about uh, the culture of the oil and gas industry, but I'd love to hear your experience of it. Sure. It was absolutely shocking in all manners. So moving from Boston to Texas was a little bit of a culture shock in itself. I was excited to do, I was no longer bored at work. I will say that. So there is the benefit. I was working outside, but it was very demanding. So oil and gas is a 24 seven, 365 day per year business. So you get very little break. I was working an on-call schedule. Uh, when I first started, I could have expected to be called into the oil field at any moment, at any hour. And I would have one hour to get to the yard, to head out to the field. And the culture is toxic. <laughs> They'll just throw it out there. It's not, it's not suited towards women. It's very misogynistic. It's something like I just can't quite put it into words. However, 
it was the decision I made for myself and I wanted to succeed and I wanted to fit in. And to do that, I really like accepted the way things were, which maybe I wouldn't do nowadays, but it's what I did because I was in my early 20s. I didn't really know any better at the time. When I first arrived, I have like this very vivid memory of being out on a rig. It's like the middle of the night. I didn't know what I was supposed to be doing. I was still new. I'm like looking up at the sky and I'm just like, you chose this, make it work. And I did <laughs> for a while. <laughs> I know what you mean when you say it's, it's difficult to describe the, the toxic culture. There were people who had so much power over the drilling site or the fracking site or whatever site you might be working on that echoed all the way down. So the new person was sort of bullied by the not so new person and, and so on all the way up the chain. Did you find that? Absolutely. Like from my coworkers, because I came in as an engineer. So there are these men who have worked as operators their whole life. And here's this young girl coming in to essentially learn to become their manager. Whereas they've been doing this, they clearly know more than I do. And like the reason I was successful is because like I understood that. I didn't think it was right for me just to come in and then be like, I'm in charge now. Like listen to everything I have to say. That's not how I approached it. But like those engineers who did come in and approach it in that manner, I saw they had a way worse time than I did. It's a respect thing. You need to earn it in the oil fields. It's just the reality of that sort of work environment. It's often in more dangerous work that that kind of culture arises. And you're right, there's a reason for it. You know, that the people who know how to do the job and know how to do it safely are kind of rightly suspicious of new people who come in and don't know how to do it. Absolutely. And so like trust was everything. And like I trusted the guys that I worked with and then in turn they could learn to trust me because like I understood that they know more than I do. And I'm here to learn from them, the people who do have the experience. You obviously you know, put a lot into making it work. And uh, you said that your number one priority personally at the time was being good at your job. And you were actually frustrated that your teammates didn't care as much as you did about the job. So it's so the same about that. Yeah, absolutely. So like when I first came into the oil field, I was actually working in the field. I was going out and pumping cement. And then I moved into the office and that was more of an engineer job. So I was working with other engineers. I was working with the lab. I was working with the bulk plant, the people who loaded the cement. And so I was basically in charge of making sure everything got done on time. And so like, I guess like my concept of time and other people's concept of time didn't always align. <laughs> I wanted things done as early as possible. I mean, we're testing inanimate objects here. We want cement to do something, but like you have very little control over how it's going to behave. So it would frustrate me to no end. And I just felt that everyone should be equally frustrated as I am, because if we worry hard enough, then we're going to get the job <laughs> done. And that was a hard yeah. lesson to learn for me. And it's not something I learned in the moment, it's something I can reflect on now and think about, but worrying about stuff is how I convinced myself that I was being good at my job. And that's kind of what I expected from my coworkers as well at the time. I know exactly what you mean. I, I've been similarly anxious to do well in my job to an extreme. It's not healthy in the end, being so worried about what you're doing day to day. Exactly. Like I was so extreme. And I can see so clearly now why I got burnt out 
And I can blame the oil field all I want, but there is definitely a huge part of it that's me and my personality and the way that I handled stress and the way that I handled situations. So, Tell me more about the burnout. I, I hope you don't mind me quoting this from your podcast episode, but you said that um, uh, you became unpleasant and not nice to be around. Uh, so say say more about that. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I, feel like I swear I'm very nice and pleasant now, but honestly, just because I prioritize my work above anything else. Like if I wasn't feeling like I was succeeding in work, that would upset me and it would frustrate me. And I would like, that's when the claws would come out where I would be, I would phone the lab and I'd be like, why isn't this ready? Like this was due however many hours ago, we need this now. And just these things that were happening in the workplace would trickle into my personal life as well because I was working so much, because I had so much responsibility on my shoulders, I didn't know how to compartmentalize anything and everything was just enmeshed and like I was overwhelmed and just miserable, personally miserable, and then like projecting my misery onto other people so that we could all commiserate. Thanks for talking about that, because I think it's so important. It, it, work does that to, to, to people sometimes, and it's it's not fun for you. It's not fun for the people around you. And uh, I think we need to acknowledge it a little bit more. So I appreciate you talking openly about that. Absolutely. I kind of don't feel that I have to ask you why you quit your job. There's kind of like a whole <laughs> bunch of stuff uh, going right into like having crazy high blood pressure in your 20s, according to your doctor. <laughs> So you say you didn't know that you had other options. So, so what made you realize that you did have other options? Yes, I love this question. So just to like backtrack a tiny bit, when I did get jobs, corporate jobs, my first jobs, I was so excited to have paid vacation. And even though it was only two weeks in the first job, three weeks in the second job, I'm like, wow, I can go places in the world and see what the world has to offer. So... Like, I just wanted more of that. And I happened to be on vacation while working in the oil field. I met a bunch of people who were traveling long term. And I was blown away. I had never heard of this concept before. I didn't know anyone who did it. I did not know it was a thing. And as soon as I, like, encountered dozens of people doing it, I'm like, oh, I could do that. I want to do that. I have to do that. And the seed was planted and I could not get it out of my head. So from that moment, the research began. I got back to my office. I actually got promoted at one point to a less demanding job. But at that point, I was like so far gone. Like there was no coming back. Yeah. I couldn't foresee any role in that company that I would be happy. And so I accepted the promotion to give it the old college try and because it was less demanding, that gave me a lot more time to research travel <laughs> during the workday. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I always say, like, if they checked my computer, they would have known. Yeah. Uh, so basically, I would just research all these things. I would read blogs from solo female travelers to be like, oh, my gosh, these girls have done this by themselves. I'm going to do this by myself. I'm going to go to all these places they went to. This is so exciting. And it got to a point where I was booking things. And I hadn't even quit my job yet. I was just so certain that this was my future. This yeah. is what was happening. So that like, yeah, I got to a point where I'm like, okay, it was actually like a two week point where I'm, each day I'm like, I'm going to quit. I'm going to quit. I'm going to quit. And I got nervous and like, <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't do it. I'm like, oh, he's busy. My boss is busy. He's in a meeting. I can't do it today. Let me wait for tomorrow. Um, 
So yeah, I finally did it. And once I did have that conversation, my boss was super understanding. Once I really like made that commitment, I started selling my belongings. I knew I was leaving Texas. I had just a month left on my lease. I packed everything I could fit into my car and drove back to my family in Massachusetts and kind of set off. And uh, where did you go? Oh gosh, every like literally everywhere. So <laughs> because I'm like, <laughs> would it be better to ask where you didn't go? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm like, I have this freedom, and the other thing was like, I'm this is borrowed time. Like this is my once in a lifetime opportunity. Yeah. I have to see as much as possible, and that's not true. It's not. It doesn't have to be once in a lifetime. But I didn't know that at the time, and so I started with like two months in Eastern and Southern Africa. Came back home for the holidays. Took off to South America. Spent two months in South America. Flew all the way over to Asia for a couple months. Spent four months in Europe over the summer. Back to Asia. So wow. I was really all over the place. I saw a ton, but it was a whirlwind, and it was really indicative of like I travel the way that I work and I get stuff yeah. done. And that was a, le- a lesson I needed to learn as well to slow down. <laughs> that. Sounds fantastic. And yes, I get it about the uh, the fast travel and the slow travel. When you start to get to that slow point, it suddenly becomes a very different experience. I really love the way that you emphasize when you're talking about career breaks, how it doesn't have to be just time away from work. It can be an opportunity to make a significant shift in your work life. But when you came back from that first career break that you took, um, you you didn't make the significant shift that you've made now into uh, starting your own business. So tell me about that. Sure. So when I came back from the first one, I did shift industries, which like was huge for me at the time and was great. But at the same time, I thought I had to go back to work. And so that's where that came in. And now where I'm at now, the pandemic changed a lot of things for me. It's something that it's kind of like this thing, like there's time, there's space, people aren't hiring. I'm like, what if, what would it look like if I just tried right now to start my own thing? Something I've always said I wanted to do. And like, this is what quitting jobs and travel has taught me. Just like, you can make changes to your life when things aren't going the way that you want them to, and you can do it quickly. And so that's what I did. I made a decision that I wanted to start my own business. I didn't 100% know what it was going to look like, but that I didn't let that stop me because the clarity really does come from taking action. And so the fact that I'm like, I'm going to start something, I had learned a lot about per- personal growth and personal development over the pandemic. I thought that was cool. I obviously love travel. And it wasn't until months down the line that I'm like, you've quit your job to travel multiple times. You've worked remotely. You do all of these things. People want to do that, but they're afraid. Like, what can we do with that information? So that's sort of how that was born. Working with other people on their career breaks must give you some insight into the the kinds of fears that people have. What do you find are the most significant hurdles that people need to get over uh, to get to the place of taking a career break? Yeah. So I really thought when I started this that people were more concerned about, like, how to budget for it and things like that. But it really is the mindset of not having the money coming in or the fear that it's not going to be possible to get another job on the other side or the fear of like upsetting an employer when they've been so good to you all of this time. So it's a lot of mindset pieces more than I thought, more than the logistical things. 
And then what people do is use the logistics as the excuse not to take action, when in reality, it's these fears and mindset-based things that we need to work on and overcome. So, so what, what would you say to somebody who does have those fears, who's not happy in their job, but just can't quite get to that point of making a change? Yeah. So I love to just envision the future, like in one year from now or five years from now, how are you going to feel if you're doing the exact same thing you're doing right now? And the reality is like, if you're unhappy now, it's not going to get better. Like there are very few things that could happen in your job that it's going to get better. Like the company would have to be like, acquired and they changed something completely, like just unrealistic things. So realize it's not getting better. The way you feel now is only going to deteriorate further. Is that what you want for your life in this one shot that we have to make it meaningful? That is fantastic. Listeners, if you'd like to connect with Callie, you can find her on Instagram at The Travel Shifters, or you can go to her website at travelshifters.com. And uh, once again, her podcast is uh, Travel Possibilities. Callie, thank you so much for joining me on the Quit Work Podcast. Thanks so much, Mark. That was really fun. Thanks for listening to the Quit Work Podcast. I love talking to people who have taken the bold step of quitting their job to start living their true life. Join me for a fresh conversation every week. Subscribe to the podcast or the YouTube channel at quitworkprojects.com. And if you have any comments on this episode, or if you'd like to tell your own quit work story, I'd love to hear from you. Contact me at quitworkproject.com or on Twitter or Instagram at quitworkproject. I hope you too find your way to quitting work and living your true life.